Hello and welcome to Georgia's Poetry Workshop. I hope you've had a fantastic week and got a lot of writing done. This week I'm going to be talking about constraints. And constraints can take a number of forms. It can be literally the form of a poem, quite a strict form. Or it can be constraints that you put on yourself. Now the reason that I've been thinking about this is because somebody asked me earlier in the week when you get blocked when you get a bit stuck what do you do to get out of out of that state of mind and I thought well there are a couple of things that I tend to do the first is to read is to read a poet that I really like whose work makes me feel inspired and hopefully by reading through their work it will prompt me to kind of want to create again and and try and perhaps take something from their work and and try to use it to support my my own and if you listen to the first podcast on anarchist poetics that's kind of the idea really the other thing that i tend to do is force myself to go on a walk and pick something to write about which then makes me and often you know you you end up going on a walk to the same place that you usually do and it means that you have to have to think of it in a different way you have to pick something from that walk and think of it differently from a new perspective and this is what happened to me recently i went i went for a walk and i was like okay i'm just going to go home and write about a daisy because all the daisies are popping up they look great and after writing this poem when i got back i came up with one of my favorite final lines i've ever came up with and i was so shocked and i spoke to somebody um who is doing a phd in poetry who said that when they feel like this that kind of creative block it's because they think it's because the brain wants to do something new. So perhaps that's a nice way of thinking about it. If you're getting stuck, it's actually your brain wants to do something new and it hasn't, it's trying to figure out what that is. It, it wants to experiment a little bit more. So I also wanted to share this um, group of French poets with you called the Ulipos. Um, it actually stands for, now I'm getting my she and I'm going to pronounce it badly because I my French French pronunciation is abysmal. Um, Ouvrage de littérature potentielle or potential literature workshop. So it's spelled O-U-L-I-P-O. And the this group of poets and and mathematicians mainly, um, they established this workshop in 1960. And they decided to put a lot of constraints on their work. And one of the most famous ones is to write about the same thing, the same moment or anecdote in 99 different ways. And that included writing it, you know, in from different, uh, in different senses. So for instance, writing an entire poem only using the sense of smell to describe everything. And then only using taste, for instance, or only using a certain tense. It's um, a really fascinating experiment to try. So 
thinking about putting these kind of constraints on yourself and developing your work in that way. And and it means that you're writing poems in different ways and can find the best, uh, the best kind of um, version of your poem, I suppose. On, on the Ulipo, just from my own um, experience, they really inspired me to try and put a constraint on a poem that I was working on that was about Aubrey Beardsley, who's my favourite illustrator from the kind of fin de siècle, the, the final part of the century of the um, 1800s, so final final part of the, the 19th century. And it was all very decadent and very indulgent and his illustrations are quite grotesque and I thought well what letter can makes me kind of think of think of that kind of feeling what sound makes me think of decadence and I realized it was s that s sound and so I said every line in the poem that I'm going to write has to end in s has to end in s and it it was one of my most um, creative and inventive pieces and it's actually being published in August in a journal called Obsessed with Pipework. So it will be it will be in there to, to read if you if you fancy. So it's worth having a go at these sorts of things and, and adding constraints to to your work to you, you almost you have to work I'm going to use a cliche now, but outside the box, even though you're sort of boxing up your work, <laughs> you have to be quite inventive with the words that you use and think of words that you might not necessarily uh, typically use. Another way we, we would think of constraints too is those very strict forms that we are familiar with. For example, the pontoon, the villanelle and the sonnet. Now the sonnet we know from Shakespeare and I, but what's what contemporary poets often do, and even you know poets from the past, of course, what they tend to do is adapt the sonnet form for themselves. And I always think now when I you know when I count a fourteen line poem, I'm like oh is this sort of a twist on the sonnet? Is this a sonnet? It's the fourteen lines that always give it away. So if you've got any poems that are fourteen lines. You might want to have a look and see if you can sort of turn it into a sonnet or see if you can see if you've kind of created one almost by accident. I'm going to read a poem by Hannah Lowe to kick us off, which is in the sonnet form. She's written a book called The Kids. And I think every poem in this, yeah, it's all they're all sonnets, which is really fascinating. I'm going to read a poem called Peeps. The posh girls came and took a corner table, or lip gloss and ribbony hair, each with a fan of starry GCSEs, a summer of youth hostels in Europe behind them, and the future wide open to them, like a rainbow parasol, or so I thought. It was restoration comedies, and I was reading the class an essay, and though I'd seen his name, I'd never heard it. Peppies, I said it, peppies, over and over, until one girl spoke up. Do you mean peeps, she said, her voice pulled taut as a noose, as if I were the girl and she the teacher. And what could I have said? I read on. Peppies, 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 
cool, cool as the trickster, ridiculous as the fool. Lovely rhyming couplet at the end there. Um, I I I really enjoy this poem, <laughs> and it's because um, I had that I had that with um had the same thing not with peeps but with um this word all albeit I thought that albeit that I'd seen written down was pronounced albeit I thought it was a German word that we use <laughs> like Schadenfreude or something <laughs> um so I I kept saying albeit in and, and because I contextualized it, I would use it in the in the right way in the sentence, but I would be pronouncing it <laughs> in um as a as a German word. So it's all it's so funny how these poems uh how these poems uh trigger something from from your own memories that maybe perhaps you can write about as well. It's always fascinating these words that we mishear or get wrong and there's always a way of turning that into a poem, I think. So that is a sonnet by Hannah Lowe. And yeah, lovely collection of them, all written in, in quite different ways. Some in couplets, um, still 14 lines, but conveyed differently on the page. So worth having a look at those kind of adaptations. The next poet that I want to share is Anita Patti, who wrote her debut collection, Hiding to Nothing, and I heard her read at the Poetry Festival up in Newcastle a couple weeks ago, and I thought it was just brilliant. She's She reads so incredibly, and I found, yeah, I found the whole, I found her, her imagery really exciting. So I'm going to read the first poem from Hiding to Nothing, and it is a triolet which is a French form. And again, it's been adapted slightly. So in the in the original form, there are different kind of aspects of rhyme and repetitions, but some of these have been inverted or, or changed slightly. So again, it, it it's interesting to see how and why poets have, have changed the form. Train Triolet, 446 to Brighton. I won't blow you up because I'm brown, O twitchy woman who grasped up my shopping. I went to the loo not to twiddle my belt. I won't blow you up because I'm brown. Terrorists don't tend to buy Kath Kidson, unless I am a clean-skinned moron. Because I'm brown, I won't blow you up, O native woman who grasped up my shopping. Really powerful with the repetitions and also that inversion. Because I'm brown, I won't blow you up. It's this: the syntax is switched, the phrases are switched, and the emphasis changes, highlighting racism and prejudice and the ignorance of the woman who grasped up the speaker's shopping even further. It's really cool the way that the lang that um, Putty changes the language. In the second line, we've got, oh, twitchy woman who grasped up my shopping. And always in the triolet, in the second line, you repeat at the very end. But twitchy is changed to native. Oh, native woman who grasped up my shopping. So by having those slight changes to the form, there is real emphasis on specific language. So it's it's such a cool poem. So, so brilliant. 
uh, the way that it's the way that it's structured. So I'm going to sort of pause with the strict forms only because I don't want to bombard you with <laughs> all of the different ones. Um, so sonnet and triolet might be ones you want to try out uh, today. The final poem that I wanted to read to you, and I suppose this is just another way of me highlighting that poetry can take a long time to to write. I'm going to read, it's quite a long poem, um, I'm going to read The Moose by Elizabeth Bishop. Uh, this is for Grace Bulmer Bowers. And The Moose took Elizabeth Bishop 20 years to write. She sort of put um, the draft above her desk and waited for 20 years to, to, to finish it. And I think that just goes to show, you know, a lot of people think that we can, poets sort of chuck out loads of poems, sort of shoot them out. <laughs> but, you know, it takes dedication and work and sometimes 20 years. So here is the moose. From narrow provinces of fish and bread and tea, home of the long tides where the bay leaves the sea, twice a day and takes the herring's long rides, where if the river enters or retreats in a wall of brown foam, depends on if it meets the bay coming in, the bay not at home, where, silted red, sometimes the sun sets facing a red sea, and others veins the flats lavender, rich mud in burning rivulets, on red, gravelly roads, down rows of sugar maples, past clapboard farmhouses and neat clapboard churches, bleached, ridged as clamshells, past twin silver birches. Through late afternoon, a bus journeys west, the windshield flashing pink, pink glancing off of metal, brushing the dented flank of blue, beat up enamel. Down hollows, up rises and waits, patient, while a lone traveller gives kisses and embraces to seven relatives and a collie supervises. Goodbye to the elms, to the farm, to the dog. The bus starts. The light grows richer. The fog, shifting, salty, thin, comes closing in. Its cold, round crystals form and slide and settle in the white hen's feathers, in grey glazed cabbages, on the cabbage roses and lupins like apostles, the sweet peas cling to their wet white string on the whitewashed fences. Bumblebees creep inside the foxgloves, and evening commences. One stop at Base River, then the economies, lower, middle, upper, five islands, five houses, where a woman shakes a tablecloth out after supper. A pale flickering, gone. The tantramar marshes and the smell of salt hay, an iron bridge trembles and a loose plank rattles but doesn't give way. On the left, a red light swims through the dark, a ship's port lantern. Two rubber boots show, illuminated, solemn. A dog gives one bark. A woman climbs in with two market bags, brisk, freckled, elderly. A grand night, yes sir, all the way to Boston. She regards us amicably. 
Moonlight as we enter the New Brunswick woods. Hairy, scratchy, splintery. Moonlight and mist caught in them like lamb's wool on bushes in a pasture. The passengers lie back. Snores. Some long sighs. A dreamy divagation begins in the night. A gentle, auditory, slow hallucination. In the creakings and noises, an old conversation, not concerning us, but recognisable somewhere back in the bus. Grandparents' voices uninterruptedly talking in eternity. Names being mentioned, things cleared up finally. What he said, what she said, who got pensioned. Deaths, deaths and sicknesses. The year he remarried, the year something happened. She died in childbirth. That was the son lost when the schooner foundered. He took to drink. Yes, she went to the bed, to the bad. When Amos began to pray, even in the store, and finally the family had to put him away. Yes, that peculiar affirmative. Yes, a sharp, indrawn breath, half-groan, half-acceptance, that means life's like that. We know it, also death. Talking the way they talked in the old feather bed, peacefully, on and on, dim lamplight in the hall, down in the kitchen, the dog tucked in her shawl. Now, it's all right now, even to fall asleep, just as on all those nights. Suddenly, the bus driver stops with a jolt, turns off his lights. A moose has come out of the impenetrable wood and stands there, looms rather, in the middle of the road. It approaches. It sniffs at the bus's hot hood. Towering, antlerless, high as a church, homely as a house, or safe as houses, a man's voice assures us, perfectly harmless. Some of the passengers exclaim in whispers, childishly, softly, Sure are big creatures. It's awful plain. Look, it's a she. Taking her time, she looks the bus over, grand, otherworldly. Why? Why do we feel, we all feel, this sweet sensation of joy? Curious creatures, says our quiet driver, rolling his R's. Look at that, would you? Then he shifts gears. For a moment longer, by craning backward, the moose can be seen on the moonlit macadam. Then there's a dim smell of moose, an acrid smell of gasoline. (sighs) Big sigh. (laughs) That tone is just amazing. The rhythm is beautiful. Now you know why it took 20 years to to perfect. Amazing. Um, I can't, I, I, the first time I heard uh, this poem, it was someone reading it out loud. And they, they, they really, they, um, broke down in tears. They, they were crying. This is, this brought on, this poem brought on such emotion. And so I thought it would be lovely to share it with you lot. (laughs) Um, so we are about there for our free writing. 
And if you're unfamiliar with free writing, it's taking seven, about seven minutes, five to seven minutes to write freely um, in whatever form you choose. But really, it's about getting everything out that you need to before you write for, for the final prompt, before you begin your your last poem or poems after the, at the end of the podcast. So I always give a small prompt for free writing and you can use it, you don't have to. And if you feel like you can't write something, if you're not, not if nothing's coming to you, just write, just write, I can't think of anything or I don't know or whatever, I can't write, you know, anything like that. But what happened, it'll just get you worrying. It'll, you'll be writing anyway and, and that's the thing, we just want to get writing straight away. So the prompt for today is streetlight, streetlight. So take that where you will. And when you hear the bells, you can pause the podcast and come back after your free writing for the final prompt. Welcome back. If you did have that pause for free writing, otherwise, thank you very much for staying with me. And you can do some free writing later. So I take this opportunity now to say that this podcast is funded by you, the listener. And if you are finding the workshops helpful, please consider donating the equivalent of a cup of coffee to me on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash George's Poetry Workshop. It allows me to keep on making the podcast, offering these to you and to other listeners and giving workshops to those who might not be able to otherwise afford them. So thank you very much to in advance for, for your support and thank you to those supporting me. Um, it, it really is appreciated. The final prompt for today is to use a constraint, to use a constraint. So you might like to try a sonnet, you might like to try a triolet. The moose is written in, let's see, the moose is written in, I should know this, two, four, six, sestets, six line stanzas. So you could have a go at writing in six line stanzas. Uh, you might like to put a different kind of constraint. So maybe only writing in couplets or, or tercets, which is three line stanzas. You might like to have a go at adding a constraint such as a letter. So perhaps only finishing lines with one letter such as S or T or beginning your lines in that way, beginning every single line with a certain letter or perhaps creating a concrete poem which means that you create a you write a poem in the shape of the object or thing that you're writing about now to get you started I am going to give you a theme this week and that theme is space now space is interesting to think about in terms of a constraint and restrictions so have a go at have choosing a strict form or a 
your own type of constraint that you can use to write about this theme of space. And I'm really, I'm really excited to see, to see any work that you produce. So if you would like to share that with me, you can find me on Twitter at GC the Writer or on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash George's Poetry Workshop. Thank you very much for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks, of course, as always, to Portamento for creating the music for the podcast. See you next time.